The promise of adventure drives every RV journey. For those of you looking to launch life's journeys, I welcome all of you to the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV, a leading manufacturer of towable recreational vehicles in the United States. Heartland RV manufactures over 15 brands of fifth wheels, travel trailers, and toy haulers. Heartland RV brands are sold through an independent network of dealers throughout the United States and Canada. No matter how many miles you travel, we all have a story to share about our journey. I'm excited for all of you to learn about today's guests and their life's journey. Sharing life's journeys is what we do here on the Where's Willie podcast powered by Heartland RV. So here's a journey for all of you to consider. Today, my guest is Melissa Paris. Who's Melissa Paris? Get ready. Back in 2009, she was the first female to qualify for a world super sport race. And then she went on to be the only female to test a MotoGP M1 prototype race bike in history. In 2012, raced the British BSB series at Brands Hatch. 2013, top 10 finish in the Daytona 200, America's premier motorcycle race. 2014, fifth overall in the Spanish CEV Superstock Championship. First female team in history to complete any Suzuka endurance race in 2015 was first place in the 24 hour of Barcelona the WERA West Superbike champion and Moto America Supersport top finish eighth place in 2016 member of first all-girl team to qualify and compete in the Bold Dior 24 hour. And sorry if I slaughtered that. In 2017, <laughs> founded the MP13 racing team to promote young talent and member of first all girl team to qualify and complete the Le Mans 24 hours. And if that's not enough, and I'll keep things really simple, she's a daughter, <laughs> wife, and mother, and she just loves traveling on her life's journey at 190 miles an hour. Melissa Paris, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm blushing with all of that. <laughs> so obviously, you've caught our attention big time because in my mind, you're one of the most famous female athletes in history in the world of motorsports. But what I have found is you, your husband, you guys are amazing human beings. So you know, before we kind of get into just all the achievements and everything that you have done, I just want all the listeners to learn about Hey, who was Melissa Paris before you were big time and famous? Where did you grow up? And when did you realize, hey, you know, mom, dad, I just, I just want a helmet and I want to be able to lean over 12 inches above the asphalt and go 190 mile an hour. <laughs> you know, I had a pretty like average childhood. I grew up in Northern California with my parents and my four older brothers, played baseball most of my life, um, normal stick and ball sports, swim team, all the you know, normal stuff, went camping with my family, did a little bit of BMX racing. I think the only thing that maybe was a little bit different was just I had a lot of brothers. So naturally, I never felt limited by being a girl because I just wanted to keep up with what they were doing. And I think probably my parents didn't have any time to treat me as delicately because there was just way too much chaos going on. So I just had to keep up. So I'm really, really grateful for that. When I went away to college at San Diego State, I actually met a guy who had a sport bike and, you know, it was something 
I think I'd always like seen him from afar and thought like, man, I want to do that. That's really cool. But I didn't know anyone who rode a motorcycle. It just wasn't really anything my family did. We were a very middle class family, you know, so motorsports maybe weren't something that they could afford to get five kids into. So, um, yeah, yeah, I started dating this guy in college. He taught me how to ride and being down here in San Diego, the canyon riding is epic, world-class. So had the opportunity to act like a hooligan and treat the streets like my own racetrack and got really lucky that some great guys took me to the racetrack before I made myself a statistic. And as soon as I turned a wheel on a racetrack, I think everything else kind of took a backseat. My my college education and career aspirations and everything sort of went out the window. And that was just all I really wanted to do anymore. So, you know, as you're going then through this evolution, you start going, you know, this is cool. I'm doing what I'm passionate about. Like, this is what I want to do on my life's journey. But then at what point did it come from or go from recreational to, holy shit, like, you're pretty good and people are taking notice. What was that kind of process like? I can't really say like for that. I think the big turning point for me personally was I did finish school. That was like a deal I had with my parents. I got offered a really great job in accounting. And at this point in my life, I was spending most of my weekends at the racetrack. I was like, beg, borrow, steal, whatever it took to to be able to be there at the racetrack, sleeping in the back of my pickup truck, like the whole nine yards and got this fantastic accounting job as fantastic as an accounting job could be straight out of school and would have been making pretty good money. And I went to my first day of work and keeping in mind, obviously I'd worked my whole way through college so I could afford racing. But um, (laughs) I called my dad that night and I was in tears and he was like, you know, what's wrong? Like your, your life is just starting. And I was like, I hate this. Like, I do not want to sit in an office for the rest of my life. Like this sucks. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I think that was the first time I really like verbalized to my dad, who's probably one of the most important people in my life. I just said, I I just want to race motorcycles. It's all I want to do. And it was so awesome because, you know, his response could have been get your shit together. But it was instead, I never told you to go to college to get a job you hate. Like that wasn't the point of this. And I don't have any money to help you go racing. But what I can offer to you is you can move home while you figure out how you're going to do this. And that was huge. Like having his support. I mean, I, I don't think many people get that reaction from their parents. So that was so cool. And I mean... It was just kind of like a lot of great stuff happened all at once. You know, I just met who would become my husband not long before that. And he's a professional racer. And so I was really lucky that he was able to kind of give me the cliff notes on the right steps to make along the way. And, you know, it all sort of just, I just started taking the steps. I saw someone who, who told me like, this, this is the kind of racing you need to do. And like, these are the, the things you need to do. And the milestones you need to check off to get to where you want to be and I just started plugging away at them until I got there and then in 2009 I got my pro license and graded up for my first professional race at Daytona. Wow and obviously when you talk about checking all the boxes I mean 
you have surpassed what I think most expectations of a good career have been, and you're still active. So I guess, you know, one of the things I always go back to, and I don't try to be, you know, cliche, but we all have a life's journey. And, and are there like, out of all the achievements that I mentioned, you know, in the interview intro, what stands out to you as like the most, and I don't want to say validation, but the one that you're most proud of? It's, it's hard to say because like when I look at all the cool stuff I've gotten to do, I think I still have like a little bit of that imposter syndrome. You know, most of these people that I've raced against started riding motorcycles when they were three years old or they were bred to, to be in motorsports. And I feel like I sort of snuck in, you know, like I'm not supposed to be here. So every time I've gotten to do something, I'm like, someone's going to someone's going to come like grab me and tell me like, you know, show me back out the door. Like you're not supposed to be here. So I felt really blessed to have all of these opportunities. But as far as like my proudest achievements on a motorcycle, honestly, they haven't even necessarily been the ones that I would put on my resume. You know, like some of my best days have been, there's one day in particular riding supermoto with my husband at a go-kart track. And, you know, he's a seven-time national champion. And for whatever reason, that day I got the better of him. And there was not really anyone there to see it. You know, there was no, it was just us like in having fun that afternoon. And I got the better of him. And, and that, you know, that was probably one of my proudest things, you know, and I, I think that's like what is different. Like I never got into racing because I wanted to say like, I'm the first girl to do this, or I got to, I won this or I did that. Like, I just really am passionate about riding motorcycles. I love it. It, There's nothing in this world that makes me so happy. So whether that means riding a mini bike in my backyard or gritting up for a world championship, 24 hour endurance race, like I'm just stoked to be on two wheels wherever I am. All right. So two questions. One, am I allowed to pick on your husband and bring this up every time I talk to him that you smoked his ass on the track? You can, but he, I will tell you right now that he will deny it to the end of the days. <laughs> it's okay. Like, it's like the big joke the day that happened. Actually, like one of my best friends was there. So there was like one witness. And uh, I remember we were like walking through Walmart later that day. And every time Josh would turn his back, I was like, yes. And and then Josh would turn around and we'd be all like straight faces. Like, (laughs) see here? Yeah. So, but hey, man, it happened. I know it happened. That's right. (laughs) You know, and along this journey too, it's remarkable, but I think sometimes people get lost or forget that you're human. So, you know, aside from continued success and obviously the success of your husband's, you guys decided to have a family and you became a mom. So what has that experience been like for you along your journey as well? I mean, I think anyone with kids can tell you it's, there's, it's wild. It's the craziest thing you'll ever do. Like I've been there at three o'clock in the morning in Spain racing, you know, in the middle of the night in dark, it's a hundred degrees out. You're sitting in a baby pool trying to cool off. Like that has nothing on like, anything that comes out of a three-year-old's mouth on it every day. <laughs> so, yeah, the, it's been wild. Uh, Hawk is awesome. He's my best little buddy. I love him to pieces. I want to shake him sometimes. But, you know, like, Josh and I kind of said, like, actually, the day he was born, I had him in my arms. He was all disgusting and weird-looking like they are at first. And 
I said to him, we're going to have a lot of fun, little buddy. But just so you know, your dad and I already have a good thing going and you're going to have to fit into our life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's definitely been it. Like the little dude's been along for the ride, you know, so he's been a good sport about it so far. That's awesome. So we talk about all the time, too, that on this journey of life, we got sunshine, we got rain, sometimes we even have a storm or two. You know, the one thing that I'm really interested to ask you from your viewpoint is being somebody that's traveled not just throughout North America, but around the world. You know, like I said, you've been covered in all the press, you've done all the things. You got hit with something that we all did. And it's a little thing called the pandemic. So last year, you know, as as you look down at Hawk and you look in your husband's eyes and you look at your career and you look at the MP13 racing team, like what's going through your mind when all this stuff hit? Well, it's wild. We were actually at Daytona. <laughs> my husband had just qualified on pole on my team's Yamaha R6 for the Daytona wow. 200, which has just been a little bit of a white whale for our family trying to get that Rolex that they give you for winning the race. And it was all about to come true. And our president held a press conference and declared a state of emergency and shut the country down and they stopped the race. And, you know, we packed all of our toys and our race team back into our our RV (laughs) and we began the most, I don't know, like eerie drive back across country from Daytona, Florida, back to Southern California. You know, at that point, there's like a lot of questions, like, obviously, just as far as like the health of the world, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know what was going to happen with racing. So it was like pretty scary. It was like, is eerie. Eerie is the only thing I could like describe it, you know? So we kind of did this cannonball run to get back to Southern California and for a couple months, like hunkered down as a family here. And then slowly people started trying to figure out like what was going to happen and moto america the organization we race with they were working really hard to get racing back on track so they decided to hold our first race in wisconsin but it was going to be no spectators and then a month later we'd have a second race there that would have spectators josh and i were like scrambling with what to do because we've always brought our little one with us along with a nanny to all the races that's just been our way of life we don't have family that live nearby us we were trying to figure out, like, what do we do? Like, this is a real sticky situation. So in the end, we packed our whole world up into our travel trailer. So I think we had, like, four or five dirt bikes, mountain bikes, bicycles, a month worth of clothes, our kid, our dog, everything. And we dragged the trailer to my dad's house in Idaho and basically left <laughs> left the kid and all of our toys with my dad so we could go to work for the weekend, you know, in Wisconsin, and then came back and between races, we ended up turning like this pandemic nightmare into like the most epic family trip you could possibly imagine. We camped all over Idaho and Utah. We did incredible like off-road riding, which my husband and I have both always wanted to do, but never had the time because we're always too busy racing. So we got to stay and camp in all these like really beautiful places and go trail riding and go mountain biking and take our kid to do all this stuff. And it was actually ended up being like a really special time for us. It was pretty yeah. cool. And I'm really cool, honestly, that we had that chance because I don't think we would have if it hadn't been for COVID. So 
you know, slowly after that, our race series managed to like figure out a way, you know, some tracks we went to, we had no spectators and others we did. And, you know, just like piece at a time, they, they kind of got racing back on track for us. And obviously we're really grateful for that because that's how we, that's our life. <laughs> so yeah, so slowly things got going, but in those early months, it was really cool being able to just take time as a family and go camping, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you too, and I appreciate you sharing that because for me, I think this pandemic, you know, for the entire RV industry, you know, has really opened people's eyes. You know, we're so used to having, right? You have that home (laughs) in that neighborhood, you pull in the driveway, you shut the garage door, you don't talk to your neighbors, but you have. And this pandemic has really forced people to go, you know, is this the best way to live? Kids can't go to school. Why not travel with them in a travel trailer and we can go and see the world? My question is, because of this pandemic that forced this situation and you guys, because you're both athletes, you always say, well, control what I can control and and make it a positive, which you did, you know, by traveling and going to see all these cool spots. My question is, when the pandemic does have some, you know, return back to normalcy, whether it's the vaccine or whatever else, do you see because of the experience that you got to have with Hawk and Josh? Would you see yourself going out in an RV again in the future, if possible, and living kind of a nomadic life rather than, you know, hotel stay? Well, it's funny you say that because for the last 10 years, we've lived in RVs at racetracks. It's always been a choice for us. I think if you talk to motorsports competitors, you do have half of them who probably stay in hotels when they go Mm -hmm. places and then the other half that stay in RVs at the racetrack. And for Josh and I, like, we've always been more comfortable staying in an RV of some sort because, man, you just want to sleep in your own bed. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's funny because we've always treated having an RV more as a necessity, you know, a tool for doing our job than it is a luxury like it is for most people. So I think the pandemic gave us a chance to see that, like, it's not just a work tool. And again, like a lot of times with racing, we have been in just like a rush after a race weekend, sometimes you you know you just want to get home to your house. I think like we, I mean, we spent like over a month on the road this time, and wow. actually instead of just like you know being plugged in at a racetrack, got to go unplug in in the forest. Yeah, I think we're going to be doing a lot more of that. It kind of forced our hand to try something we weren't familiar with, and for sure, there's going to be more of that, and it's. It's wild because I, I keep thinking of like when Hawk gets to school age and is supposed to be like sitting in a classroom all day. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how that's going to work. <laughs> you know what right? I mean? I'm not sure if I'm going to be ready for my little buddy to like not be adventuring with me. So we may have to find a workaround. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm confident that you will. You know, it's funny too that I guess it's just like even for me too, it's funny how experiences along your journey you know, really start, I guess, either changing the values or, you know, your thoughts. Maybe it's us getting older as well. Like I'm getting close to 40, which I can't even believe. So I guess like, you know, and there's a lot of athletes that I know about. I mean, as I told you guys offline, you know, me playing college football at D1, I have a lot of teammates that went to the NFL. They've retired and been comfortable. The thing that really excites me for both, you know, not only you, but also Josh, you guys could easily just hang up the jacket, be on call for only big promo races, come out because of the resume you have. But the thing that I really admire for both of you is you're going beyond your achievement and you're looking to build out a legacy. So I want to talk about MP13 Racing. How does creating this team and and, and owning this 
and impacting others' lives. Like, obviously, I know it means everything to you, but what all has gone into that and why does it matter so much to you both right now? Well, you know, for me, I think I always, no racer ever wants to stop racing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, if if you love something, you love it. And I think for me, that was like my my big thing as in the last couple of years, as things have started to shift and change. And honestly, I wasn't like cutting it. I, I'd gotten to the point like racing super sport where I had to hit a plateau. I wasn't necessarily getting any better. I was getting more into doing a lot of the world endurance stuff, which is just a couple races a year. And I wanted to figure out like what's the best place for me in this sport that I love so much. And I'm still competitive. I still want to win races And I learned a lot of stuff along the way as a privateer racing. And, you know, I'd see the way teams are doing things and think, oh, I like the way they're doing that or I could do it better than them. And, you know, that's kind of where I am. So in 2017, when I started MP13 racing, well, no one knew at the time that I was pregnant, but I knew. That was kind of the start of it. And I really, like, at that point, I wanted to pay it forward a little bit because I'd had a lot of help. Honestly, as a girl in the sport, there's not a lot of girls doing it. So I kind of scouted out a young lady that was racing motocross and brought her over to road racing. And, and that was kind of, like, got my got my feet wet with it and really realized I had a passion for the whole thing, you know, not just managing a team, but actually, like, as a crew chief and a mechanic, like, really enjoyed myself and felt like I had something to add to the sport and so that's kind of like how it grew and and over the last couple years like I've learned a lot and really enjoying it this last year unfortunately wasn't able to run my own team but went to work for another team as a as a lead technician and my rider won a championship so that was huge it was really a new experience for me to be able to like be on the other side of the wrench but still winning races and and ultimately a championship and found that is very fulfilling for me. So that's kind of like the new, that's where I'm headed. That's the route I'm on. And that's my next journey, you know? Yeah. So as we, if we talk about then the future for now going into 2021, can you talk about, so everybody listening and the viewers, when they're going to see this, you know, if they want to be a part of MP13 racing as of right now, and I know everything's a big tentative, there's an asterisk, <laughs> it's gray ahead. But what what are you feel comfortable saying or at least talking about for 2021 MP13 racing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like racing silly season right now, so nothing's set in stone. But I'm working really hard to build a super sport program for a really great kid I got to know over the last couple of years. I think he's someone that can contend for wins in a championship. And I have confidence in myself that I can provide him the equipment and the and the tech know-how to like make that happen so that's kind of right now we're all hands on deck like building a, a program this is the part of racing I hate the most right you know building budgets and approaching sponsors trying to find you know obviously it's it's a pretty big financial endeavor to try and win a super sport championship so that's kind of where we're at right now is just trying to like get all the pieces into place so that we can build a, a winning motorcycle and put it underneath the winning rider, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and I know, like I said, you're humble. You even said offline, like you didn't want to get into it, but I do. So you know, <laughs> for all the listeners and all the viewers, you know, my background's always been, you know, advanced automation and robotics. Now I'm obviously with a manufacturer with Heartland RV. 
which is under the product family group of Thor Industries, which is number one in the world, being the fact that the Where's Willy podcast is produced and managed by Jacket Media Co. There's a lot of companies and mm-hmm. people that may want to have some involvement. And I don't look at this as like checking the box or being sexist or the guilt trip. You are one of the most successful, famous female racers in history in terms of what you've done on two wheels. And there should be no shame for anybody that wants to align themselves and be a part of sponsoring your team because of that. So like I said, you can go ahead and stay humble. I'm not (laughs) going to. I think it's incredible what you've achieved, especially what Josh has achieved as well. What Hawk is going to achieve. I mean, (laughs) maybe Hawk will be one of your racers, right? Could happen. You never know. (laughs) So, so I do want to talk a little bit then about business, you know, not about like cost, hours, you know, what the sponsorship levels are. But if somebody wants to become a sponsor, what is the best way for them to get started? Do you go to a website? Do they reach out to you on social media? Reaching out to me on social media or via email, you know, melissa.paris at gmail.com. I think like sponsorship has really changed in motorsports in the last probably 10 years. There was a time where it was just slap a logo on a racer's suit or on the motorcycle and call it a day. Oh, hey, I put your link on my website. But that, that you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's come and gone. And it's really cool. Like we're really able to offer like a lot more cool stuff for sponsors than I think we were in the past. One thing I love about Moto America is we have an open paddock. So if you go to like a Formula One race, you're going to buy a ticket and probably have a seat you can sit in and if you spend like a billion dollars more maybe you can get a suite and have a slightly better view but when you come to a moto america race you can walk right through the paddock so you can see all the race teams at work you know you can get really close to the athletes you can get close to the motorcycles it's really cool and then we're able to take that one step further. So with some of our sponsors, we'll do things where we'll get them VIP passes. So maybe that means they get to walk out on the grid before the start of a race or hang out in our hospitality, our race team's hospitality, and get to know our racer and our mechanics and, and kind of like enjoy a behind the scenes tour of like how our race team works. And those can be really cool things for companies because they can either use it as incentives for their employees or, you know, as a perk for some of their best customers. You know, there's like a lot of really cool stuff you can do around that. I just think it's 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 fun to be more creative and be able to deliver cool experiences like that instead of just plugging someone like, you know, on social media, tagging them. I mean, obviously, that's great to do, but I think more and more people want to experience things. So being able to bring people out to the races and let them hear what it sounds like when 40 motorcycles take off when the when the green lights go out you know i think that's that's way cooler <laughs> now in and like i said and i don't want to pigeonhole any of our dealer network that's out there but whether you <laughs> may or may not know we have i think around 900 plus or minus dealers coast to coast in north america so if mm-hmm. maybe one of them in the rv world wanted to be affiliated with mp13 racing would they have the ability potentially depending on the sponsorship level, to have the world's most famous female athlete on two wheels do some on-sites? Is that something that you offer in some of the package as well? Absolutely. You know, it just depends on what someone's after. So if you want us to come out and set up our race rig and and all of our racing assets there at your dealership, like that's super easy. You know what I mean? If you want to have a meet and greet with racers or whatever, like it's a great thing. Hey, man, I own the team. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) So. 
Like, that's what I always say. Like, if, if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, what I really want to do is X. It's, there's really not much that we can't make happen one way or the other. That's awesome. So I invite everybody listening and watching, if you have any interest in partnering with MP13 Racing, they can go to, what's the best way for them to find you? I think the, you know, the best way is either on social media. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram and that's just at Melissa Paris 13 or, or send me an email, just melissa.paris at gmail.com. I'm pretty easy to reach. So, and like I said, like I'm real responsive on social media. I love talking with people. I love sharing what I'm doing day to day. So it's fun to be able to start a conversation with people about what's going on. And I think the thing that I feel comfortable saying that, you know, any of you that are considering looking for sponsorship opportunities, you and Josh, you guys are really, really good people and you're willing to, you want long-term partnerships. I mean, I sense that when we talked offline with some of the programs, the education, the coaching that you guys are doing, which I'll probably blast Josh on that uh, (laughs) when we talk with him. But I really do think that you guys are some pretty awesome humans. And I know that our team at Harlan, we're all pulling for you, and we just wish you guys the best. If you were to talk about, I guess, what's the next big thing coming up in the next month or so that you're pretty excited about that maybe the community can be a part of or, or learn more information about? You know, like right now, it's definitely like deep in our off season. So this is like the real dark time of the year. Like I said before, where I'm sitting in front of my computer trying to figure out logistics for the year. It's also a time where Josh is doing a ton of coaching. So if you follow us on social media, you'll see like we're having camps out at our house. We're doing ride days. We're going out to track days and doing one-on-one coaching with people. And then I'm also doing a couple cool side projects. I'm building a race bike for someone that Josh is coaching. So I love documenting all that stuff on social media so people can see what we're up to and, you know, building a flat tracker for another friend of ours. For me, it's like, it's a lot of time in the workshop building stuff and and a lot of like coaching and and just kind of trying to enjoy a little bit of downtime before the season really gets swinging again. And by your definition of downtime, I noticed there was nothing said about rest. So uh, I I think (laughs) that uh, you and Josh uh, sitting still is not in your guys' nature. To the fastest woman on two wheels, Melissa Paris, MP13 Racing, I want to thank you so much for taking time to share your life's journey with everyone on the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV. It has been a true pleasure and we cannot wait to see what you and the team produce in 2021 thanks a lot thank you for tuning in to the where's willie show for more information on future shows please visit where's willie podcast.com or follow us on facebook and instagram at where's willie podcast and on twitter at where's willie pod thank you all so much This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.